Hey friends, it's We Ruined Everything with Kayla. And I'm David. It's our first October podcast, so lots of spooks and spoops this month. I mean, we've been doing an I'm Not Scared, You're Scared segment, I think almost every episode, but definitely we're going to kick it up a little bit this month. Yeah. So, without further ado. I'm not scared, you're scared. Tell me, what have you done this week that's spooky? I think we talked about it last time a little bit. We actually went to a art display here in town by a really awesome artist, Reiko Dahl, and I did the music for it, or sound ambience for it. It was at a First Friday art trail that we have here in town. It was really, really awesome. Really quite spooky. It was. It was fun. There were a lot of people. It wasn't like we got to leisurely stroll through, but we went through twice, and so it was a lot of... Fears and phobias, too many eyes, too many teeth, somebody watching you. Yeah. Yeah. About invasion of personal space, it seemed almost. Yeah. Spiders. Yeah. Putting your hand down a sink. That was the part that actually made my heart speed up. Your sounds and everything. I'm like, ooh, that's gross. So that's creepy. But like having the sink look like you're sticking your hand down a garbage disposal and then telling you to touch something in there that you don't know what it is. For whatever reason, that really played on my real fear <laughs> of yes. getting my hand caught in a garbage disposal, even though it wasn't even a real sink. I still... Wasn't it fuzzy? Yeah, right? It, it ended up being fuzzy, yes. I thought it was dog hair. <laughs> it turns out it was human hair. Which is awesome. That's that's pretty... It is. It's pretty punk. It is. I guess there was also something sticky or slimy in there too, but I did not feel that. I Our friends did. one of those did. things that whatever you're expecting to fill in there, you're going to kind of feel. I was just too chicken to stick my hand all the way in is what it was. Ah, okay. I don't think you're going to mistake hair for I a little slimy caterpillar. I remember seeing a video where they went into all that stuff, like Meh. a scientific phenomena. Phenomena. But there was a long line. Yeah. Really it was long line for a while. Really, really, really great to hear and see all the people talking about it. People who were going in saying, oh, this sounds creepy. People coming out saying that was really spooky. People not going in at all because they were too afraid. <laughs> How about you? Anything spooky happen to you? I mean, yeah. Other than going I went there? to the same, <laughs> the same thing. Uh, we also watched a scary-ish movie on oh, the Netflix. Yeah. I think it's Netflix. We have Amazon. so many movies on our queue. <laughs> that I finally just started, I used a randomizer online where you put in, you know, the fields and then he just kind of picks one for you and yeah, land it on Netflix and we watch something there. How did you feel about the movie? Give uh, a quick synopsis, I guess. Synopsis of the movie is a cult uh, does a cult thing to a woman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Instead of killing the woman, they kill themselves and she's set free. And uh, it's a guy who abducts her, but you end up finding out that he was part of the cult that didn't kill himself and escaped it. And he knows that they did something to her. And he's trying to keep her alive on that specific night. So he's a hero. He is. Who was there the night of the sacrifice or whatever you want to call it. He's trying to. He grew up in the cult. He's trying to break free. He's trying to keep the ceremony from being completed five years later or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's, it's trying to keep her alive. Some of the acting's kind of, I mean, that's what you expect. Oh, yeah. Some of the acting's kind of janky, but. It, some of it, yeah, some of it's very amateur. Except for the cinematography is really great. Correct. Uh, ADR is pretty bad. Acting from the two leads are really great. Mm-hmm. Everything else is kind of poop. Some of the effects are pretty well done for yeah. a low budget movie. Yeah, from, I'm assuming like medium to no budget movie. So yeah, if you're just looking for a scary movie, The Heretic on Netflix. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, good, you just, can live without it, but yeah. if you just need a scary movie. It's October. Yeah, if you just want to put something on your list, uh, have a conversation while you're watching it. <laughs> that's 
It's pretty good. I also want to keep saying hereditary instead of heretic. So yeah. heretic is the movie we are talking about. Hereditary. That's a whole movie. Maybe we'll do a whole show on that. I doubt it though. No, why? It's a why great first two thirds and then it just gets weird at the end. I agree. There are a lot of people that disagree with that. Yeah. I think the first two thirds, the fear and the dread and the... It's so it real. Very real. And, and things you can relate to with family drama and family tragedy. And it just can feel very, very real. And it just takes such a turn at the end. Yeah, where it's almost comical. It's like I a completely feel, different movie by that point. I feel like this movie would have been great if it was more... I feel it would have been better to be ambiguous of whether it was all part of PTSD and being in a home that was not great for mental health. And the stuff that happens in that movie is not great for mental health. Yeah. There's always a line to walk there when you're talking about mental health and violence or creepy stuff happening. Definitely floating headless bodies really just took me out. It made me, after all that dread, (laughs) I just laughed and went like, what the hell is this? What happened? It just becomes, it goes from a uh, really, really hardcore character study of horrific things happening in people's lives. To this little family. To an 80s horror movie. And that's, that total shift is just so abrupt and just took me out of it. I love two thirds of this movie. I'd even say three quarters of this movie. And then I just. Everybody listening to this though loves the end. I just, I couldn't get in. But it's beautiful, everything else. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Tony Collette. Yeah. She's just amazing. She needs to get something for all the cool stuff she does. She's in so many <laughs> yeah. things and does a great job in all of them. Yeah. I'm going off on a tangent here. Is she the mom in Babadook? Or is that somebody else? Uh, somebody else. Okay. That movie was good in the way it, it went and it left it ambiguous of whether it was a real monster or whether it was all postpartum. Metaphor for what was going yeah. on rather yeah. than More psychological actual... Horror. Then, hey, spooky man horror. Spooky man horror. <laughs> Which is nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's that's such a hard thing to pull off if you're going to do it. To jump between those two extremes. Uh, I don't know that I know any movie that's done that really well. Overly comedic or overly horrific. Yeah. Even Cabin in the Woods, one of my favorite horror movies. It's, it's pretty, it's a comedy <laughs> at its core. It's <laughs> just listing movies at this point. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Cabin in the Woods has Bradley Whitford in it and it's satirical and so yeah. I like it. Anything else spooky? No, not spooky. But since we are going to talk about Joker at the By end the way, here. Yeah, we're going to have a whole part of the podcast that is a spoiler section. We're not going to talk about that right now. We'll do spoiler free though. Yeah. But what I wanted to say is before we get to that part, so we've talked about spooky stuff and then we're going to be talking about Joker, which is not spooky, but also dark on our website. KndRoadcrafts.com. So. We post uh, the podcast up there as well mm-hmm. and little blog posts and uh we're going to start using those to put down links and stuff when we talk about specific things. Yes. So in this whole episode of kind of dark and scary and whatever, I wanted to show everybody a video of a squid who turns different colors while he's sleeping because it's pure and it's fun. And so we'll put it up on our website with our the link to the podcast. No, they're it's not awesome. Cthulhu. It's real. But they're like spooky in a way of how does that exist? I... Yes, yes, and kind of an existential one day they will be our overlords thing. But right now, just a, just a little squiddy who's dreaming and changing his colors is just fun. Speaking of animals, and kind of spooky, we talked about spiders on one of our other podcasts and how they you know, oh, float yeah. in the air and stuff like that. 
I figured out they don't float in the wind or anything like that. They fly. They don't have wings. They don't have wings, but they uh, they ride the electromagnetic field at will. I don't um, know what that means. So everything gives off like electrical field, you know, positive and negative. And they kind of take advantage of the way they push off of each other. It's just a really bad explanation of science, but it's called ballooning, what they do. So the atmosphere has a positive charge because of lightning storms and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, okay. Maybe even some of the stuff we put in there from all the electricity we use for everything else. And spider silk pick up negative charges once it leaves its body. So is that why sometimes your clothes will be all static clingy? Because whatever atmosphere around us is positive and the clothes have a different charge or something? Your hair like floating up and yeah, that yeah, kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Spiders can detect these fields. And uh, I think the scientists who found this out to prove that they did this, a bunch of spiders were put in a vertical strip of cardboard in the center of a plastic box. And then they generated electric fields on the top and the bottom, between the floor and the ceiling, uh, of similar strengths, similar to what spiders would do in the outdoors, you know? Uh, these fields ruffle tiny sensors on the spider's feet, known as trichobothria. Oh, yeah, of course. So it's pretty much little hairs, little hairy feet. Uh, so when they did this, the spiders uh, did a move they call tiptoeing, where they like they stood on the ends of their legs and stuck their butts in the air, which is they do that before they twerked. They even, yeah, pretty much twerking and twerking to fly. <laughs> uh, uh, and many of the spiders took off in this box. They just lifted up in the air. Uh, they levitated to an extent. And they're not like over a vent or a fan or anything. In no, this box. it's just a climate controlled box. Where they just put these little. Uh, electromagnetic sensors on the either simulate it mm-hmm. when they turned off the uh the fields the spiders just dropped which i think that is both cool as hell and scary but they can just fly at will so maybe someday when we're in space and going to mars it won't be like gravity fields that we're turning on and off but we'll be wearing these little electro suits and we just flip on I wonder. Positive or negative. <laughs> That's how magnets work. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I can see something like that. The two researchers are named uh, Erica Morley and Daniel Robert. I will put a link to that too. Yeah. And that's just a cool thing. That is. Yeah. Animals surprise us <laughs> all the time. So, are you ready to talk about Joker? Go non-spoiler? Yeah. So we watched it yesterday. For me, overall, didn't like it, but had parts that I really enjoyed. Hmm. But as a whole, meh. So I guess the way I could put it is that we saw it yesterday and a few hours after that, we, we were planning to do the podcast yesterday as well. We just get around to it. The further away we got from watching it, the less I cared about talking about it. Yeah. And I think I woke up today and I would ask Kayla, like, what are we going to talk about? And I was like, oh, Joker. I forgot we watched it. That's about how memorable I think the movie is. And that's, I can't say if I liked or hated it, but that kind of encapsulates my feelings of it. You felt indifferent? Yeah, felt indifferent. It's technically a good movie in technical sense, mm-hmm. but it's just all show and no substance. It's hard to figure out what I feel because I just don't know that I feel anything. No, I gotcha. The thing I know I feel is there's a great movie in there. For whatever reason, they never stuck to anything and they never said anything. And it just ends up being a visually stunning, superbly acted nothing. <laughs> So, you want to give a quick synopsis? A quick synopsis of Joker? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know there's not a whole lot of plot. So, this is something we're going to harp on later. And we do this a lot. We we care a lot about how mental (laughs) health... We harp on things. (laughs) We care a lot about how mental health is, you know, used on screen Mm -hmm. and used in media and pop culture. It's always used as a scapegoat to say, these people are weird and it's just used to make pariahs out of people. Well, Um, and that bleeds over into real news, which is harmful. Whenever there's a shooting, everybody automatically goes to, was there mental illness involved in you don't need to be mentally ill to hate people. But we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get in more into that. But uh, 
So synopsis. It's ostensibly about a man with mental illness uh, who's going through a rough time. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of pile on. The system lets him down over and over and over again. This starts happening in the midst of a giant city upheaval. New York, like 1980s, back when stuff was really bad. There's the uh, garbage strike, stuff like that. It's in Gotham, but it's pretty much New York. Uh, right. There's unrest, unrest among the people. Uh, between the classes. It's a story of a guy caught in this who just kind of gets swept up in it. He's also a little bit narcissistic in how much influence he thinks he has. And that's it. Yeah, that's the synopsis of the movie. It is. It's hard. It's, there's, there's not a lot of plot. It's not a lot of nothing. There's a lot of dancing. I appreciate the significance. I think there's too much. Probably. So, because, yeah. non-spoiler analysis? Do you want to get into that? I, mean, I don't know that we can. Okay. And then I guess non-spoiler, just quickie, quickie review, I guess. It's a visually striking movie. The action's equally affecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. It's great. He really amazing. Puts his all into it. Legitimately scares me in the movie. Yeah. He makes me sad, too. Yeah. He it's he walks a fine line on that. Um, I don't think this movie would have even worked as well as it did without him. I agree. Um, in, a, in a different movie, those things would have been such... That would have been a classic movie. Oh, yeah. I think people probably would have compared him to Ledger mm. if it had been a better movie in total. Do I go further They, they may that. still. Uh, Heath Ledger seems to be the gold standard for... For Joker, yeah. Joker. But just in the acting in general, he just... Yeah, I I think I really want to watch his other movie, uh, You Were Never Really Here After We Get Off of This. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> um, I've heard that's equally good. And But in this movie, all those things are wasted. What about the music? How did you feel as a music guy? I mean, I liked it. I appreciated it. It was great. It seemed very fixated on the score, at least. Fixated on the Ledger theme. Mm. The Dark Knight that in that, uh, you know, really creepy cello hit. <laughs> um, Perfect. And it, it pretty much an entire score from that. Uh, it's scored by the uh, composer that did Chernobyl. Oh, okay. And she did uh, a few other things. Lady Composer. Lady Composer, yeah. Nice. And apparently they like sent her the script before they had anything filmed and she scored that. That has to be hard. And then they filmed parts of the movie. based Like, the technical parts of this movie is great. Um, so yeah, she, she did a really great job with the movie. It hits the tone. The Ledger stuff I said is not a hit against her because the whole movie seems like it's... The... Wanting to be Ledger's prequel. Oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah. It, it, it very much seems like if they could have, they would have made this a prequel to Ledger. A lot of all those great things, the acting, the, film, the cinematography, the score, all of it is wasted on this movie because the movie, as great as everything seems on the top, it doesn't say anything. It, it's either too vapid or too afraid to make a stance. At the end of the movie, it's just another one of those, like, hey, things are bad out there, huh? Nah. Yeah, I think I told you I felt like it's a very superficial look at what's going on in our society right now where he hits on a lot of hot button kind of buzzword type topics but does not make a stance on any of it. And the combination of the things that he chooses to combine in the movie don't make sense. It's a very weird... There's good people on both sides. There's bad people on both sides. It kind of is that argument. I think somebody... I remember, Which, ugh. <laughs> uh, somebody said in terms of the way it's going about, you know, looking at civil unrest and the resist movement and all these things that are coming up is it's very much like the, uh, I think, Pepsi ad. Oh, with uh, like, Jenner? Kylie yeah. Jenner? Was it Where, Kylie? Like, it's or? like, oh, make a difference. But it's like, this is all yeah. vapid. This is all just to sell a product. Yeah. Before we get into specifics, problems with it is that... Highly misogynistic, oh, very woman, violent towards women. Every woman in this movie gets some sort of violence met to them. Yep. Um, obviously, 
David mentioned earlier, or maybe not if he cut that part out, <laughs> that we have These some concerns <laughs> about the uh, portrayal of mental illness and especially its relationship to violence. It's very um, ableist in that sense. Yeah. Again, I guess just kind of the handling of some of the current societal things that we're going through right now. It's just a very superficial look at everything. Mm-hmm. And it's just someone, it's the equivalent. And I guess this is really, really on the nose with Todd Phillips because he he did an interview where he like, ran in about how he can't do comedy anymore because of, you know, woke culture. That for sure tinted my view of how I watched the movie. So I blocked all that out because I wanted to give the movie a fair shot. Well, but it's really that's prevalent <laughs> in the movie still. It's that same thing. Connie's like, how are we supposed to be irreverent and talk about everything um, when everybody's so sensitive? But at the same time, they're not adding anything to the conversation. They're just piling on. And that's what this movie pretty much is. And yeah. even, that's, even that's giving it too much credit. It's just a very pretty, vacant movie. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. I like movies that don't say anything. I like movies that other people think are boring, that I think it's just pretty to watch and so I watch it, but I feel like he was trying to say stuff, which makes it dangerous. It pretends to say something. Yeah, 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 maybe that. Almost seems like this movie was a giant troll. I mean, judging by his reaction to the press. <laughs> yeah. I think he was not the one that's trolling anybody. Yeah. I guess another way to put it is that he tries, it's a very pastiche of a movie. Big um, it, he's, he's doing or trying to, uh, he's attempting to do what Tarantino does, which is takes little bits and pieces from other movies and make a new movie out of it. Mm, Remix culture, mm-hmm. but he's not very good at it. Um, I mean, I could pick out. <laughs> you can pick out the movies, movies that I've seen and movies I haven't seen that I just seen scenes from. I can pick them out. Yeah, apparently, what Taxi Driver and the comedian King of Comedy, King of Comedy. There I we think. go. Um, but I've never seen those, so I couldn't draw directly from my experience. There's a V for Vendetta vibe. Yeah, V for Vendetta vibe and Dark Knight. Especially the Dark Knight. Like I said, I think this is trying really hard to get on the nostalgia of Ledger's joke. Including some specific shots. Yeah, and I think that's almost... Uh, I feel bad for Joaquin that that movie's full of that kind of stuff. He, it would have been great if it stood Sure, but again, his acting, I think he made it his own. Yeah. I, when I said that people may compare him to Heath Ledger... I don't think they're trying to play the same character. I feel like Joaquin's character is oh, yeah. completely different than Heath Ledger's Joker. I don't think he was trying to be he Heath wasn't. Ledger being Joker. I think Todd Phillips was. You want to get into spoilers now? Okay, yeah. Let's do so, it. Spoiler reviews, I guess. Um, three, <laughs> two, one, and... Spoilers. Uh, spoilers, yeah. I have a few things I can say, but... Okay. Yeah, what, what do you think? What's... Okay. Starting out just broad in general, I thought the first two-thirds of the movie were very boring. I was I was in it at the beginning. We're setting up his life. We're setting up that, you know, he's struggling with money. He's got a, a mom that depends on him that he's trying to take care of. His job isn't going great. The government systems that he benefits from are not not particularly benefiting him, right? His dream of being a comedian is going nowhere right now. And so we set that all up in the beginning and I'm like, yeah, but then that's all it was (laughs) up until like the last third or the fourth of the movie. And I'm like, no, I I get it. He's sad and he's struggling. Like I I get it. Let's move on. And so much slow-mo dancing. Like again, I understand the significance of the dancing and that's him becoming Joker or whatever, but especially it ties in at the end. And I, I get it, but it's just a lot of 
half-naked Joaquin Phoenix dancing slow-mo. And I say he did a lot of work to get in that kind of shape. He did. If you he did put, a lot of not you eating. Chris Hemsworth in all the shirtless <laughs> scenes because of the work he does. Joaquin deserves a little bit too. He, he did. He changed his body for this role and they show it off. And, you know, good for him that all his hard work yeah. is shown I think off. we disagree about the first part of the movie too. Probably, but I really like it. And really think it picks up. It is supposed to be an origin story. And so once, what do I want to say? He just gets the ball rolling. Murders the skies. But to me, I think it starts getting exciting when he kills his mom. Whether or not that actually happens. But just, you know, he kills his mom. And then he gets invited to be on the show. And then, so then he goes on the show. And then, you know, everything that happens from there. And I just, that's when it really picks up for me. And really becomes interesting. And really becomes more comic booky than a supposedly realistic tale of how a real person can so become two separate Joker. Movies, at least, I would yeah. say. The first, so I thought the first quarter was really affecting. Like if they had stuck with this 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 person who is struggling mm-hmm. and losing benefits, losing health. Yeah, how and slowly sinking more. The government is failing him. If it had stayed that and had something to say about that, mm-hmm. that would have been beautiful. About mental health services. Yeah. Because yeah. Joaquin really I thought I thought all of that was beautiful and really effective. I was like, if this was what the movie is, this is gonna be good. I'm gonna you know mm-hmm. I'm along for the ride. Which is a different movie than what you said at the end, the comic book movie. Mm-hmm. And I guess you can say that the whole point was to try to say like, you know, when he gets into the Joker, he starts seeing reality different. But that it's so, it's done so poorly that it, you, it just kind of gets lost if that's what he's going for. Yeah, I don't know what Phillips wanted the end product to be. I am fine with ambiguous endings. Since we've used that word already today. I'm fine with the movie leaving you questioning about, wait, what was real and what wasn't? I think that's kind of fun and it's cool to talk about. And I like, you know, like the ending of Sopranos when people are like, wait, did they die? Did they not die? Oh man, Joker. It's hard for, like, even now, I've been thinking in my head this entire time we were building up to talking about Joker about what to say exactly because it's just really it says a bunch of beautiful things and all of them are just meaningless so yeah so the dancing that you didn't like I thought in my head I thought that was a way of him soothing himself Mm -hmm. that was the way he made himself feel all right in his skin is when he was dancing and performing Um, I guess when he's a clown it almost seems like that's when he's most at home is when he's performing but that I feel like he dances. I think you're probably right. There's probably some self-soothing there. He also seemed to dance, though, when he was being more Joker and not Arthur Fleck. Which I guess you could say he was getting more comfortable with himself, maybe. Yeah. That's something. Hey, that's some filmmaking right there. Yeah. His laugh is really sad. Yes. Like, this is the first time, like, the way they present it is it's less of a laugh and more of a wailing mourn. Yeah, and it's based off of a real disability where people laugh when they don't want to laugh. It's just a physical reflex to to, um, I wish I could remember the real name of it. I've seen commercials for the medication. (laughs) And it's just, yeah, it it makes you feel for him because his throat gets caught yeah. His body starts to convulse. Like he's crying and he just wants it to stop. And that that kind of stuff, man. I mean, that had to be physically exhausting for Joaquin Phoenix to do yeah. those scenes. Because it's not just one time, right? You do several takes of a scene. So that just had to be. The little things that Joaquin did like that is so affecting to me. And I was like, this is great. Mm-hmm. And it just means nothing ultimately and then Todd did nothing with it he did nothing with it he just lets it go it's just a thread that leads up and you think it's going somewhere and just dropped um mm-hmm. so 
you had said something earlier to the effect of, you know, there's a lot there, but then it, it ends up being meaningless. But we were just talking about, you know, at the beginning, showing his struggle with trying to get appropriate mental health services and the system failing and the system eventually shutting down. So then, it, you know, he can't get his meds and he can't get his counseling. And you could argue about whether or not that counseling was actually effective. But, you know, that's a part of it, too. It's not just having access to mental health services, but having access to quality mental health services. You know, they set all that up. And then the movie doesn't really talk about it. Because then they immediately go, okay, well, he's not getting treatment. So now he's violent. And that is the twist that it takes. That's the turn. But the yeah. whole point of this movie was that it was a more realistic portrayal. Yeah. And that is not a realistic portrayal. Though that is very... Of mental illness. Movie. Very... And not even like Real world stuff. news for us. Yeah. Anytime you hear about any shooting, the media always goes, you know, either he has a history of depression or we don't know whether or not there's a history of mental illness. And that is damaging, dangerous, stigmatizing Just, of people with mental illness. There are lots of studies and lots of articles that talk about this. And so... I found um, a really good quote from an Atlantic 2016 article, which we'll link again on our website that we already talked about, kndroadcrafts.com. K, letter N, D, yeah. roadcrafts.com. Yeah. Crafts with an S at the end, plural. But so a, a quote from that article said that the overwhelming majority of people with mental illness are not violent. Um, just like the overwhelming majority of all people are not violent. Only... 4% of violence of any kind in the U.S. is attributable to schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, or depression alone. So in other words, 96%, you're talking gun violence, you're talking domestic violence, any kind of violence has nothing to do with mental illness. 4% is such a small, tiny percent of all the violence that we read about here in the States. And yet all the news coverage, it it all. all the yeah. media, all pop culture equates mental illness with violence. And it is just not true. It's only 4%. And so I was looking at another article from NAMI, but these articles were framed in um, the context of the gun violence that's been happening recently. And so recently for the past few like years, it's been <laughs> increasing it's been a lot. Long. But so with that, news coverage coverage again they're mentioning mental illness in conjunction with gun violence a whole lot more which it shouldn't be or at least we shouldn't be talking about gun violence in relation to like mass shootings because it's much more likely that someone with a mental illness is going to harm themselves rather than harm somebody else and so let me see if I wrote those numbers down so let's see so there's another article that I was looking at that we'll link to again but um it was talking about 90% of people who attempt suicide never attempted again. So when you're looking at people who attempt suicide with guns, 85% are successful. You know, most people are not going to try to take their lives again. But if they use a gun to do it, then they're not going to get that second chance at life. And when you're talking about people with mental illness, I think it, I don't know, I don't want to misquote numbers, but it significantly increases the likelihood that they'll use guns to harm themselves rather than somebody else. It's like we were saying, only 4% of violence. And so those articles were saying, like you were mentioning earlier, that there are other factors that contribute to it. You know, they mentioned like, of course, we're going to say somebody's not completely healthy if they're going to hurt 
hurt somebody else like that. But it doesn't mean that they have a mental illness that is diagnosable and treatable. You talk about hate is not a mental illness. Anger is not a mental illness. There can be, you know, other environmental factors that happen. I mean, there's just a number of other things to look at when you're looking at violence and mental illness is not really a good predictor of it. Lots of movies just go to that. That's the mm-hmm. easy answer. And that's, Joker and that's does what it this too. movie does. Yep. Including the gun violence. Yep. There's a scene in the movie when, I guess, when he first kills. Mm-hmm. Is uh, somebody gives him a gun because he gets jumped. And the thing is, at the beginning, Arthur Fleck is treated almost like the kids who jumped him. He's like, I shouldn't have even followed him. They're just kids. I don't want to do anything. Yeah, he's very kind of a timid, sweet, you know, kind of personality to begin with. Private and public mm-hmm. in this. It's not like he's hiding anything from anyone. And he does try to reach out to his, his counselor. He and does. he does try to tell her. He's like, oh, I have her bad thoughts. Can we try to increase my meds you know i'd like to be like he is trying to actively get help too and and so one of his co-workers gives him a gun he never uses it and he gets in trouble for taking it into like a kid's children's uh, hospital yeah Yeah. which i guess you can ask the question why do you have it in there i'm like "Uh, maybe you didn't have anywhere to put it that one was weird like why would you take that in there that seemed like the plot being more important than why a character would do an action Mm -hmm. Uh, very plot driven um yeah because that doesn't arthur was reluctant to take the gun at first because it would be against i'm guessing some kind of court order since he was in a state hospital previously so he's reluctant to take it anyway so i agree i don't think arthur fleck would have taken the gun no. into the children's hospital i think you're right that that's more of a tough Phillips plot device <laughs> yes needed him to have the gun on him uh and then he loses his job and everything else once that happens and he's on a, a train and it shows three and this is the thing i think there's a lot of dc universe kind of just forced in there so you have three wayne uh corporation people three you know stereotypical 1980s american psycho dude. rich snobby yeah. white guys and they're all intimidating a woman on her own mm-hmm. uh, they're being horribly horribly misogynistic yeah they're harassing him. and of course arthur's laugh hits up because it's uncomfortable and i think it's almost his way of trying to stop it to saying like i'm here watching you uh so he goes in the laugh well, because I think we all kind of get that anxiety where you see something happening what and you're like, here? should I do something? But there are three of them. There's one of me, you know. Even if Arthur didn't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, the laugh gives him away. And those, the woman takes that as a chance. Okay, I'm going to get up and leave now. And then the dudes come and pretty much uh, terrorize Arthur now. They jump him pretty much and they're assaulting him really, really badly. Um, and he pulls out the gun because he, he has it on him and shoots two of them. In self-defense, self-defense. arguably. And that's where I think, I think it almost would have worked better if Arthur didn't go after the third guy, because then it still would have been ambiguous. But he, he chases after the third man who gets away and guns him down in the in subway. Those are his first killings, maybe. So that's it's when, hard to know what's real. So but that's when he starts, and you can almost... He's at least, even if it didn't happen in the real world, he's at least fantasizing yeah. about violence, which is also still problematic. Like, it's part of that whole... I almost, in my head, wanted to justify it. It's like, oh, Arthur was caught up. He's like, oh my God, that dude's going to go tell him. He gunned him down. But it's played almost straight. And when did he learn how to become a, a crack shot? <laughs> like, right? there's all these things. Bullseye. Then, it's all these things that are just odd. And Because even when he doesn't kill the third guy, he still, like, shoots him in the ankle or something like that. So yeah. he's still got a piece of him. And again, That's why, during the movie, I didn't even think that part was real. Because he just immediately killed the first two guys. But then on the and news, still got to... Yeah. They're all saying these three men died and you're like okay so this did happen right and it's that kind of thing that this movie has these ideas but doesn't know what to do with them mm-hmm. and just kind of instead of seeing them out just kind of lets them go and it's like oh it's not important and so is that right after he got fired yeah it's right after. and had he been told that 
the mental health services were being taken away yet. Yeah. I can't remember the timelines. So, okay. I think he'd been told already. So we're already saying, okay, well, he's not going to get his meds. He's not getting his counseling. So his mental illness is getting worse. I think that's the problem that we're talking about yeah. is that it directly links. And in his notebook, you know, he, he says he has mental illness specifically and says that the tough part is having to act like you don't have one like he, you know his his notebook of jokes yeah and that's not really a joke it's, joke it's really that real about having a mental illness mm-hmm. everybody expects you to pretend as though you don't or right. act as though you don't and so and that's something real that's, that's a real, real statement but then todd doesn't go anywhere with that no. and instead well, instead he does go something with it but he goes and like we get this the, is the way i'm going to show you a mental illness go and kill people yeah exactly it because it's those two things and that's not realistic when joker yeah. starts ranting on the murray show or whatever you know he specifically says i have mental illness and what do you expect when you know you're ostracizing me and all of this stuff and then he kills murray and so it is drawing that very short line directly from arthur's mental illness to violence and that is so dangerous because again it bleeds over into the real world like it's dangerous enough when it's in comic books but comic books have this heightened they can be more cartoony you know obviously you have the superpowers and stuff like that but in this movie todd phillips wanted to make it very much a real world realistic type portrayal of how somebody could become joker you want to make an auteur film danger is a majority of people in america including our news and our media no matter which news or media you read put such an emphasis on mental illness and violence that this perpetuates that misconception and becomes very dangerous for people who do have mental illness and stigmatizes them and so then they do feel concerned about going and getting treatment, going and taking necessary meds because, you know, what if people find out? What if my employers use it against me? You know, what if people become afraid of me and people with disabilities are more likely to be harmed and by for people a movie who don't. This- big to come out when barely getting somewhere with bringing mental illness and real discussion about it into the public space it's such a step back and it sucks yeah and i think that's the one thing i can say about this movie is i hate the way and that's not even going into misogyny yet so yeah this movie has a great actress zazie beats is in it and she's not used for anything in my head i kept calling her domino while i was watching the (laughs) movie um but there's a whole section of it where after arthur does some bad stuff he goes and he just opens her door she she's in the movie she meets her and they just kind of meet one time in the elevator with her daughter or whatever and then maybe she talks to him again but i doubt it i think that's in his head but after he does horrible stuff he just opens her door and kisses her on the mouth and she just goes along with it and they go in and presumably have sex or whatever you know like this is one of those things where i almost want to give todd phillips credit and that he knows most people are just gonna because movies are like that they're just gonna go along and think that actually happened that kind of misogyny has been in film for how long you know the piece of crap dude goes and just gets the kiss from the beautiful woman because he's he's a piece of crap dude. So during the movie, I looked at you and mouthed, what <laughs> the heck? When she comes to his door after he stalked her. So he stalks her in the says, movie. And she says, was that you? And he says, yes. And then like asks her out on the date and she's like, yeah, cool. And I'm like, what the heck is that? So it was, took me a little while to realize that wasn't real. But at first I was like, what the F? So yeah, what the the F? he stalks her like a creep for the longest time in the movie. For like a day. Stalks her when she drops off her child at school. Oh, so stalks scary. her when she's running errands. And 
just made me feel sick. And again, that's one of those things where, like, when he starts getting off his meds, that's when he starts doing this kind of weird stuff and saying, like, hey, these are exactly, these are both interlinked. This is why he's doing it. So he, he, she's pretty much his dream woman in the literal sense in this movie. But he doesn't even know her. Yeah, so, I mean, he just knows she's pretty and lives down the hall, yeah. but he builds up whatever she is in his fetishizes her. And later on in the movie, there's a scene where he goes into her apartment, just sits down on her couch, and she comes up, and you know this is real because she says, what are you doing in my apartment? And she's so scared because she doesn't know what's going to happen. And she begs, please leave my daughters in the other room. And that's her part of violence that he... It is. It's terrifying. Yeah. So, okay. So let's list all of it. So there's Zazie Beats, who he... The violence towards her is he pantomimes shooting his head, which she does to him, but his is a lot more grotesque. His pantomime is he... Uh, either actually or fantasizes about stalking her and then he breaks into her apartment and is threatening even though he's not like using a gun or anything on her it's still a very threatening scary scene so there's the woman on the bus at the very beginning i'm trying to go chronologically with the kid and he's making the faces at the kid and she turns around and is like quit bothering my kid um i don't remember it any violence towards her however my concern with that character is that she's portrayed as the stereotypical quote-unquote angry black woman which is a disservice to a portrayal of you know women of color in this movie then we have his social worker who um he shows her his journal the journal has um lots of naked pictures of women in it um which i missed because i wasn't wearing my glasses angry like scratches and scribbles over them it's very stereotypical i am insane yes yes and so he snaps at his caseworker in one of their later sessions when she's like hey we can't do this anymore they're cutting our funding she's like you know it sucks they they're they don't care about either of us but he specifically has to tell her like you don't care about me you don't listen to me i just told you what i was thinking and you you just don't even care and so he gets kind of angry and aggressive towards her if it weren't for everything else in the context of the movie his anger may be warranted towards sure, her but it just follows a pattern but it's still a pattern sets. his mom is abused as a young woman um he gets angry at her and yells at her she has to lock herself in the bathroom and then of course he kills her at the end Maybe. there's the yeah dr at least he fantasizes of it. sally on the tv show who comes out and forcibly kisses which is it's a, kind of played as a joke but he's joker at this point and it's an homage to and the dark knight returns but in the context of the movie i mean it's, it's bad to begin it's with menacing but it's even worse in this especially the dudes don't say anything other than like are you okay no nobody uh, yeah, yeah. And that's it. And they move on with the interview. Yeah. Which, you know, happens to women in Hollywood and you've got to keep up pretenses. But I don't think that's what this movie had in mind. It wasn't calling anything. There are jokes that you hear about women um, by other comedians. There's kind of jokes about rape. And about not wanting to have anybody know that you're having sex with a woman who has a disability. Of course, Martha Wayne is murdered. Of course, they do the pearl scene again. Um, yeah, because you can't, you can't not. You can't not have a Batman story and not show his parents dying because you know we haven't seen that a hundred times. Oh, he murders maybe the psychiatrist from Arkham State Hospital at the end of the movie. Those are all the women I can remember. And all of them. There is some type of violence or anger directed towards them. And that is not okay. (laughs) Like what we were just talking about. 
you know, his therapist, him being angry at her for not actually providing quality services to him is a legit feeling to have. But when all the other women in the movie are also violated or harassed in some way. It's context. And I think that's lost again in this movie because it wants to say so many things but doesn't stick to anything. It ends up, in some cases, playing in the tropes for no other reason than to say, hey, this is tropey. This is going to happen over and over and over again. Speaking of, something that you and I both noticed is when he is Joker and he is being interviewed, he all of a sudden seems coded as LGBT. Really... Uh, stereotypical flamboyant gay man. Yes, where uh, he hadn't been. His voice the changes. His mannerisms become more uh, animated. Stereotypical, yeah. yeah. And it's off-putting. I get that a lot of Joker, the way he's been portrayed, is very theatrical. But to do it this way is weird. You know? mm-hmm. it, just, it just seemed weird to me. And because you and I have seen essays, read articles about queer coding for villains in a lot of movies. So you look at Jafar or you look at uh, Ursula from Little Mermaid who is based on a, yes. They are bad. The effeminate men are bad. You want the mm-hmm. tough men. Uh, the only exception being uh, Gaston. Um, Not Gerard Butler. The other guy's name that I always confuse him with in uh, the Bond movie where he's blonde. Um, Javier Bardem? Yes. Thank you. Coded. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the bad guy. And he's the villain. And they do this in this movie. And this movie's full of tropes, but it doesn't seem like Todd Phillips understands them or wants to even comment on them. He just has them. And it's just one of those. And all of those things equal up into just not being able to get an opinion about a movie other than it's a problematic movie that's pretty. Yeah. That's what it is. It's just, it does so many things and even tries to have opinions about really important topics, but just doesn't go through with them. Like the protests. So this is something that bothered me in the movie that I don't know that I fully thought out completely and I'm a little bit confused by, but I also think it's because Todd Phillips is either a little bit confused by what's going on in the real world, but so there's... A newspaper headline that said, you know, protesters say kill the rich, which right now eat the rich is a very cheeky way for progressive socialists to, you know, call out the disparity between the upper classes and the lower classes right now where we're living in the time we're living. And there's that like we're protester sign that said resist or something, which is also kind of a battle cry for people who don't agree with our current presidential administration. Um, But Todd seems to conflate that or combine it with the white nationalists who have been very violent and who have rioted and who are, you know, um, shooting up churches, running over people with their cars. Both sides. But he combined that into one group. And so it's very confusing. And so I can see where some of the initial critics said, hey, this is going to appeal to incels because I think Todd's taking all of the people who are protesting right now and just kind of smushed them into one group. And it doesn't make sense because we're ideologically opposed to one another. And yet he's saying it's the same group of people. And so, which would have been if paid more attention to it and done more in it, would have been a great plot point, but it's not given any time. It's not given anything. It's not. And so, I think you can have people read whatever they want to into it because you're not taking a stance and you're not saying that this type of person is bad or this type of person is good. And so, (laughs) I could see where Proud Boys and incels and white nationalists 
could view this movie as an anthem of sorts when they worship Joker at the end just because they can read anything they want to into it, even if that's not what Phillips actually intended. I think he leaves it too open. I don't think it's going to incite violence. No. I just want to put that out there. I don't think... I know there were some trolls. This movie doesn't have enough to say to incite anything. (laughs) I would have almost preferred that than the movie we got. I mean... My reaction to maybe not as much dancing is pretty visceral, but <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so I guess we can bring it to an end. We've been talking for quite a while, but the ending scenes, when he's out in Times Square, I think, when he's out... They're beautiful and exciting to me. Yeah, and if that, that seemed like an ending to a different movie. Yes. That seemed like an ending to a comic book movie that would have been fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a YouTube Joker movie that I watched a while back. Um, I'll link it. Again, K-N-D-R-O-G-U-E-C-R-A-F-T-S dot com. Um, and we'll have links to all this stuff. We need to like make a jingle out of that so it's easier to... <laughs> I, had, I, had to I had to pay really good attention to what I was saying. But So one of one of the versions of Joker this movie seemed to want to do is the, uh, the Ledger Joker, uh, which was a combination of two characters, Anarchy and Joker from the comics. And that's, you inspire anarchists, you, you inspire change. You're there for the downtrodding and the people that society forgot. V for Vendetta. Yeah. Uh, but that's not what this movie, I mean, this that stuff happens in the movie, but it seems to be happening on the side. It keep, this movie seems to want to say that Joker inspired all this, you know, Arthur Fleck inspired all this, but he didn't. He was just at the wrong place at the right time. He killed those three guys. He had a clown mask. They were already protesting. They were already rioting. They just, it, it made... Thomas Wayne say, all these clowns that are poor. So all the poor put on a clown mask. Had not, very little to do with Joker. Other than... I mean, yeah, just because we don't know what's real or not. Yeah. I, I'm going to give Joker credit for it. <laughs> okay, get him, Arthur. Because I do like that he created Batman. Even if he, in this so movie, in movie, did yeah, not directly kill. The riots that he starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old Wayne murder happens. And mm-hmm. it's inspired by this riot that's going on. Mm-hmm. That the movie at the end, whether it's happening or not, Seems to be focused on Joker at some point where he's dancing on top of a cop car. And And even though those scenes are still problematic to me because he's a terrorist and yet the people are worshipping him, whereas he's actually, you know, Joker's, Joker terrorizes the people. Um, Because it is so comic booky and because it does start to feel over the top and exaggerated to me, that's when I can kind of let go of some of that stuff where I'm like, okay, this is problematic, but I, I get it. This it is, happens so late this in the is movie. comic book, but it, yeah, but it waits <laughs> until nothing. so late. It's, mean, and that's, it's I, still, I liked those scenes. And I think that's the final war. Again. It's just a meaningless movie. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, watch it, I guess, if you want to like see what everybody's talking about, but yeah, worth one viewing it's probably be- it's a beautifully shot movie it, i don't watch know it just for the... i'll ever watch it again at least not the full thing i don't think there's a point to watching it once you watch it once you got i'd everything. watch the last 15 minutes again and i'd say watch it because i'm about 100 percent sure that warner brothers is going to make this the new uh origin story for pattinson's batman Woo-hoo. whether or not todd phillips wanted it to happen i'm pretty sure that's just going to end up being that's what I'm going to say. And just to see Joaquin's performance. Joaquin, it's that, very, very artsy for the first part of it. So, so yeah, go watch this movie specifically for Joaquin. He is one of the greatest actors working right now, I think. For that alone, I'd say maybe go watch it. And uh, I guess with that, we're going to bring this episode of uh, We Ruined Everything. Hopefully we didn't ruin Joker for you too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
But yeah, please go read those articles that we're going to link to and watch the fun little squiddy to, you yeah. know, be and happy. We're on Spotify now, so that's what it's going to be on too. Uh, subscribe to us there if you're hearing us there. If you're not, we're also on Spotify. Go subscribe to us there. <laughs> and yeah, you guys have a great rest of the month. It's Halloween. Stay spooky. Be safe. We'll Bye. We'll catch you next time. Bye.